everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car, and you're listening to the most horse-powerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive, and we're on the road to E3, even though I barely got enough gas. My display says low fuel, so Luke Lore, that's who I'm on a Skype call with, the insipid ghost. You should turn it on to the Xbox Drive, because we're going to talk about Anthem and E3, and God knows what else. What else? Are, I think he's playing Sea of Thieves right now, uh, so deal with that, y'all. Greater than X. Hello, Sean Capri, or should I say, Yar? Yar, you're playing Sea of Thieves right now, but we're just going to call that out at the beginning and not at the end. Everybody should just assume that you're always playing a game when we do this thing. You're a master multitasker. It is true. It, when we, my first episode ever with you, I was playing Halo Wars 2. You're, oh, wow. Uh, Strategy <laughs> game. Yep, yep, yep. I was doing all that. Oh, this is ridiculous. You know, I go out here to fish and the Kraken attacks. This, what, what is this game? I, I mean, we're both, we're both multitasking, I guess, but you're just better at Like, I'm driving the car. I, you're supposed to be driving the show. That's the thing I want to say from now on. Uh, Luke, it's good to chat with you. I feel like we just did a show, like, like just yesterday, but it's already been a week. Next week, we're going to do a show, and the following show after that, we're going to be talking about our good old times at E3, my friend. It is. Oh, my goodness. It's it's wild to me because the month of May flew by due to my yep. personal life and setting up the house and the end of school and yada, yada, yada. Well, June is upon us. I mean, mm-hmm. they are, we're recording this on the 29th. Yep. Uh, there's news breaking on the 30th that that people were kind enough to, to let us know was happening, you know, at some point. And, you know, there's gonna be EA announcements and uh, Call of Duty announcements yep. t- tomorrow. So we're missing out on the day of recording. But there's a lot. It's that pre E3 time where companies want to get out ahead of potential leaks. Yep. And so they're starting to drop news here and there. Uh, it's it's an interesting and fun time ahead of what I can only imagine is going to be uh, one wacky and incredible E3. I'm so stoked. And congratulations to our good friends at Sony and the, our friends at the Trophy Room, our sister podcast, the uh, PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. Very uh, high congratulations to you and your fans for having your E3 celebration that you've already done. Death Stranding coming and seeming like... Uh, I can't wait to hear what the, the, to hear them talk about how that that's such an E3 winning moment, and they chose mm-hmm. not to not to do the E3, not to really make this too much about PlayStation. But I just thought that was a little bit weird. That's kind of a a it, relevant point, though, for them to to have a state of play. Uh, I think it was a month ago, and yes. then no state of play, from what I can tell, uh, unless I misread something. No state of play in the foreseeable future. Uh, but they did announce that Death Stranding is going to announce on, or launch on November 8th, which Very is weird. prime exclusive time. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Awesome time for them and a surprise that's coming out this year. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. and, and relevant to Xbox, I my hope is that Gears of War sticks to its rumored September 30th date. Yeah. Uh, because I do not think that those two would match up well together. I think Gears would sell better multiplayer-esque or they have game pl- game pass to adjust those numbers and such um but i do not enjoy uh when games try to trounce one another in release window and i would much prefer uh each game to have its own limelight but that's a big game a major playstation exclusive for sony uh and xbox has uh, some things in its in its platform to combat it that we know about and then who knows maybe we'll learn more at e3 about uh, other potential things i mean there's 
lots of news on the horizon, to say the least. Yeah, man. And I, I just got to say, like, I am so excited for E3. Obviously, we're going this year. But news like that, I want in a big hype way. That We got mm-hmm. in, a, in a trailer and a tweet. So I'm excited to see what Xbox brings, obviously. They got a big show, two-hour show. We're going to be there. In case you guys didn't know, in mm-hmm. case you're new to the show, Luke and I are going to be at E3 in LA this year. We're going to go to FanFest. We have so much to see. And I can't wait, man. But uh, we all yeah, have to talk no, I, about. I thought it would be actually interesting to share with the readers some of our itinerary. Some of it we can't talk about, of course, unannounced, behind closed doors types things. But our Sunday, Sean, begins with Xbox Fan Fest, then the Xbox E3 briefing. Then we're going to the Bethesda conference. Yes. And the next day, there are showcases events uh, for, for Xbox specifically. Then we've got some Ubisoft appointments to go to. Square Enix is announcing that night, which we were not attending at this time. Um, but we're likely to get to watch from home, which is probably a good thing just for mm-hmm. pure Kick exhaustion levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next day we'll get to uh, visit another Ubisoft appointment. We've got some behind closed door stuff. Uh, and then Tuesday evening, we're going to be touring Nintendo's booth uh, and hoping to see some, some good stuff from Nintendo and, you know, maybe just, just you know, put our ear to the wall and, and listen to for the, the words Xbox Live here and there throughout that booth tour. Um, but there is... Our, our our days are packed. You and I are traveling when EA Play begins, and it looks like EA Play has uh, quite a few announcements this year for games that they're going to be showing, and uh, at least to me, quite interesting, the games that they're not showing at E3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, at EA Play. Yeah. Quick shout out to the Nintendo dads because we, uh, Justin Masson, was able to connect us with uh, friends at Nintendo for that booth tour. So you guys can check us out uh, on Nintendo dads. Uh, we'll have more information coming out soon, but uh, Luke and I are going to join that podcast. Uh, I believe it's uh, Tuesday night, actually. So mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. But yes, EA Play. Uh, looks like, speaking of Nintendo, they're, they're sort of taking a bit of a... Um, a page out of the old Nintendo playbook in a, mm-hmm. in a lengthy live stream, three, um, all day long, the EA Play live stream. And they had announced, I believe, six games, Luke Lore, mm-hmm. that they're going to be featuring there. Uh, a notable absence, though, my friend. Indeed. The games that we're, we are going to see for sure, Jedi Fallen Order, which I think all eyes are on for Big this time. holiday. I know for me that is my uh, most anticipated uh, – yeah, it's my most anticipated. I struggle. I was like, do I control? I, I think Gears might know, be. I think Gears yeah, that's, I, I was toiling a few around, yeah. and while I don't have a ton of hype for this E3's uh, holiday showing, like this year, Jedi Fallen Order, I think, is up there. But they're going to be showing Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, Apex Legends Season 2 content, we'll, we'll get some news there. Battlefield Five, which I'm surprised to see on this list. Yeah, that uh, and got, not Anthem. Yeah, exactly. FIFA 20, Madden 20, uh, The Sims 4, all rounding out that list, but but and the notable absence, of course, Anthem, a game I put 100 hours into. It's near and dear to my heart, but uh, they are not going to be showing Anthem at EA Play. Uh, Anthem, of course, in in what I would call recovery downtime. They're, they're secluded away, uh, working on new content. They've got new content on the way in its cataclysm, but they're going to be testing it on PC first. Uh, they announced this briefly in, in a very short uh, statement on the EA forums that Cataclysm is going to be tested first as it rolls out. However, there are some behind-the-scenes work uh, being done on an update, Sean, uh, that lay grounds for future. We saw this with Sea of Thieves. We've seen this with a number of live service games where yeah. they, they roll out an update to prepare for the big one, uh, which always surprises me, but... It makes sense, but it still frustrates me, I suppose. Um, But leaked as well were things like emotes and abilities to communicate with your teammates. And I'm wondering if their own uh, EA catalog partner, uh, Apex Legends, didn't teach us and the rest of the industry about via a ping system. Um, So EA is a conundrum to be sure. 
I'd be interested to see, I don't know if you have the same perception, but I feel like for some reason Respawn is just kind of operating in their own camp, uh, like way off to the side that they don't necessarily play along, not not in a malicious way or a negative way, it's just that they're sort of allowed to do their thing. But I would love it if they were able to collaborate very closely with, with Bioware, especially on this project, at least in the way that I think it was designed for DICE to do that with their Frostbite engine and, and sort of be that source, that knowledge source and center for the other devs mm-hmm. to use their engine. I think it would be interesting to, to see that. Now, my wild speculation, Luke, is that mm-hmm. um, we, have, we have live streams coming in from Bioware, very separate from the EA Play, as in they're not going to be there at EA uh, Play. Mm-hmm. I, I would love that if this was Bioware's taking their first step out of the EA camp. <laughs> I just will take any opportunity I can to read mm-hmm. into read between the lines that really aren't there. The Bioware's on their way out, <laughs> and the EA is just happy to see them leave, maybe. That would be amazing. You know, it's, it's funny. We brought up Death Stranding as a relevant to gaming conversation. Yeah. Um, Respawn seems to be the studio equivalent of the man that is Kojima, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing happy its own <laughs> thing. Happy to have, sure, but marching to the beat of their own drum and not intimidated by perhaps cor- corporate desires or needs. Uh, it seems to be that Respawn said, hey, we're going to do, you know, Apex Season 1 didn't launch the way we wanted it to. I mean, the game that's my probably game of the year thus far, if I had to, to break one down midway through the year. Yeah. But they are well aware that Apex Season 1 didn't deliver the content that perhaps many players that are diehards deserved. And those numbers on, on Mixer and Twitch uh, and uh, concurrent games all dropped quite harshly. Uh, over the past month or so, now they were they were in, they were so high in the beginning. It's only expected to go down, but uh, for them to not rush out content and they said, "Hey, we're going to do this right on season two. We're not worried about it." Um, that to me sends a good strong message that they're not going to be bullied into doing something that maybe they don't want. And I don't know that that bully is necessarily EA, but it tells me they've got room to work, uh, time to work, and they're going to do it their way, not um, not by committee. And I like that. I think that EA needs to realize, very much like Sony did, that every studio in the franchises that they work on plays a different role. And for EA, I would say that like the the Fifas and the Maddens and the, those billion dollar franchises, those huge those those cash cows that they can milk out for all they're worth, um, mm-hmm. fund the more creative uh, and and more separate studios and the efforts there. So. The reason I think that's important is you, you can't just have everything just be a, a giant. I think uh, Activision is seeing this as well. You can't have everything be a huge destiny thing. You have to have an opportunity and cultivate creativity. And then maybe mm-hmm. one of those new creative ideas becomes your your big new franchise. And hopefully Apex is that is that little uh, diamond in the rough, so to speak. And I hope that mm-hmm. EA maybe finds that same success with Bioware's next next project. Hopefully, Dragon Age is a return to that because I always felt that's the role that Bioware was there for EA. They had their you know their known quantities with your Fifas and your sports games, and then you have Bioware mm-hmm. come in and shake things up and make it interesting, and it makes your entire portfolio a little bit more appetizing as a gamer. I would say instead of just boring EA stuff, you want to have something that's interesting and different. Indeed. And with Anthem, it's what's, what I find so telling uh, and at the same time raising more questions is that Anthem performed quite well, financially speaking. It didn't do what they wanted it to, but it did sell quite well. Yeah. Um, financial reports were just it – was, it was a game that was expected to do even better. Uh, 
and a number of people from that team have been shifted over to uh, the Dragon Age 4 team, which is a known quantity. I mean, Dragon Age 4 is going to sell well if it's a 3. You know, it just is. I guess uh, so. I mean, least, even that's a topic in and of, like, because Dragon Age is a storied franchise from one to two to three, very, very different games. So I would say that, yes, it's a known in terms of a Yes, but Inquisition was the last one in the series, and it was, mm-hmm. but the last one in the series was a game of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Jason Schreier's book uh, put a, a, another spotlight on it. And so all the articles leading up to Dragon Age are going to be, uh, written and reference those things, and then more speculation will run rampant. And that uh, media train, not necessarily a hype train, but a media train, will surround oh, for sure. uh, a brand that that is Dragon Age. And I think it it, it only uh, does favors to sales later on. Now, uh, we're talking a lot about this. Plenty of questions to come that I don't think EA Play is going to answer. Yeah. But I would imagine that uh, by the end of this calendar year. Uh, and transitioning into what we, what you and I at this time believe will be next gen uh, in through 2020, I'm curious to see how Anthem exists. If mm-hmm. a, if Apex Season Three is launching on Xbox Super Xbox 20P5, whatever that is, I, I'm I don't know how they will all work, but I do wonder uh, where the EA catalog stands amidst uh, so many first parties and third parties that are quite possibly getting along in ways we've not seen before. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm trying not to get in a car accident here because nobody knows what the heck is going on. I think this is such a pivotal time in, in Bioware's history and, and EA and how they handle all of this. I, uh, I'm really nervous that cutting the cord too early on Anthem uh, cuts the feed for them and then shifts the focus over to Dragon Age prematurely man i don't know like are we expecting this game in the next two three four five years like how long are we going to be waiting for for dragon age i don't know if this um bodes well for either game i don't know how you how you end up in a in a win on both of these games i think they're in for a tough road here dude yeah i'm inclined to agree with you i i do but but i do not anticipate seeing dragon age four anytime soon i think that's that's a midway through the next gen um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. As you need a we, Mass as we Effect remaster. Stated. That's how you bridge the gap here. That's how we get a little bit happier with EA and, and uh, Bioware. We need a full remaster of the first trilogy, and it launches with the new <laughs> launches with the new generation of consoles. I'm just wildly speculating here, but that's what I want, and that's what I think a lot of Bioware fans would would accept to bridge that gap. We hear often. We hear often that people want that. That is yes. not a new a new request or a new. Uh, thing, but as you correctly pointed out, EA's EA's influx of cash largely comes from sports titles that are well respected. I mean, I, I don't much pay attention to the new FIFA, the new Madden, because to me it's just incremental uh, increases. But uh, a number of gamers and our friend Coach included, they go out and they see these changes every single uh, year, and, and it certainly is a big boon for them. So I do hope they take Sony's. Uh, perspective and use their their mainstays to fund things like dreams or fund yep. things like you know the next anthem or uh, update or dragon age and and uh, new ips i think also need to be cultivated in mm-hmm. this next gen nurture your old ips and uh, cultivate new ones and be careful not to abandon them too quickly and then i think the biggest lesson of all of that is uh, set appropriate expectations for your shareholders so that your developers are not under this, these in, insanely high pressure situations because pressure cookers don't always make the best food. Well, that's, that's a, the best that's analogy a, I had. I like it. This, this, <laughs> uh, sometimes they kill your favorite characters on This Is Us. Um, 
It's a circular and difficult conversation to have too, though, because you need to project and you need to get uh, investors um, excited about giant mm-hmm. projects. These are games that are going to sell, like what's the next 10 million seller in the next billion dollar franchise. So you get mm-hmm. them excited by um, promising big sales so that you get a lot of money to inject into the project. So it's it's sort of like, how do you do one without the other? And like, is it a chicken and egg kind of thing? Do you start with a huge investment with no promise? That's probably mm-hmm. not possible. So right. I don't know. It's uh, it's harder than it would than it would seem. But you're right. The, the pressure does does come down to a point in time where the game is either going to turn out well or it's not going to be good, and you have to be making decisions on whether or not to keep it in the keep the, the bun in the oven, so to speak. Anyway, indeed. I feel like we've killed this horse a couple times well yeah well yeah play will will be happening ahead of e3 despite i think it'll kick off all the coverage that we're likely to see you and i'll be traveling and miss parts of it for sure um but we'll come into our phones exploding and, and giving us news there uh Beyond that, though, there are a few other things popping up into our news feed for the week. Uh, Layers of Fear 2 launched, and I did want to note that I incorrectly stated, I think an, if it wasn't on sh- on the show, I certainly said it on streams over on Games with Ghost uh, on Mixer, uh, that Layers of Fear 2 was a, a Game Pass title, and it is not. Layers of Fear 1 is, though I don't know for how much longer, but Layers of Fear is a game that, uh, it's a horror game that's impressing everyone. Uh, right now, it seems like a lot of our friends are enjoying it. It's scaring the pants off a number of content creators. Uh, I enjoyed Layers of Fear 1 quite a bit, and my eyes are to Layers of Fear 2 when we return uh, from E3. Yeah, man, I'm glad to see it uh, get a sequel, actually, because I wasn't sure how, how well it did. I saw it pop up every once in a while, and then, yeah, of course, Game Pass, and it was, it's been available to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, weird, Is it weird timing for this? Like, Is this not like a, an October Halloween type of game, but... Maybe maybe there's um, enough of a void for games that this is actually a really good launch time for it. I think this is a great launch time for a game like this. Like yeah. Rage 2, wonderful launch time. I actually just finished up Rage 2 uh, between the last episode and this one. This is the perfect window for, for games like that. Yeah. Sweet. Can't wait to play it. So, yep. As simple as that. Layers of Fear 2 out now. Uh, let's see. Bioware, we discussed that. Square Enix, Sean. Oh, goodness. Does Square Enix have the attention of gamers right now? They have announced that their new Avengers title, Marvel's Avengers, will indeed be at E3. Sean Capri, I don't know how I feel about it. I got a lot (laughs) of mixed emotions. I I saw this on the medias of social. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read the article until I got home just before this this viewing, so I have not processed how I'm going to handle it. Uh, you saw it before I did. First gut reactions. Uh, my first gut reaction is you'd have to imagine that they've been planning E3 for some time now, maybe a couple weeks, perhaps even a few mm-hmm. months. Um, mm-hmm. The Avengers movie came out a couple months ago too, didn't it? It did indeed. It did indeed. This, I mean, the timing is good in that I'm not going to crap all of them completely because it is good because E3 is top of mind. Everybody's excited or everybody's trying to figure out their schedule. So now is, a, I guess, a logical time. Um, but would it have been better to kind of give us a, a sneak peek around the time Avengers was happening? I don't know. I actually don't know how I feel about this. It seems like my gut reaction is that wouldn't have been better. But as I talk this through and think maybe more around it, maybe it was better to allow the movie to enjoy all the oxygen and all the conversation uh, that was fueling it when it was doing its run to $2 billion. And now this is a nice rejuvenation, nice reminder that, hey, Avengers is that thing that you love this year and it's enormous and you're going to hear more at E3. Um, what are your thoughts, man? 
I, I think it was absolutely the right choice to hold back on any discussion about the yeah. game. We don't know how far along it is. We don't know truly what we're going to see from it. So I don't think any any judgments about that aspect can be passed at the moment. But giving that movie, that 22nd movie in a franchise that's spanned a decade and, and some change, was the right choice. It was deserved uh, to leave the MC alo- MCU alone. And they're inevitably going to have questions about, is this the gamerverse that Spider-Man PS4 shares? Is this uh, related in any way to Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3? Those are logical questions that all... The answers don't matter. Like, the yeah. truth is the answers don't matter. In comic books, I've read you know, hundreds of versions of Batman that didn't necessarily tie in, but they tangentially did. And yeah. So I think it was right to give the movie time. By the time Blu-rays and, and uh, whatnots are hitting sale, you could perhaps market pre-orders for, for this game. Mm, good point. Uh, again, so let the the phase phases one through three finish up uh, for the cinematic world and let the, the new Gamerverse uh, begin it, or continue its phase one that started with Spider-Man PS4. Interesting, interesting. What do you think, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, I think everybody recognizes that Spider-Man for PS4 is an excellent game. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts like, <laughs> how should we be setting our expectations, knowing that um, things could be either amazing or not amazing, pardon the pun, uh, from from Square Enix? Uh, I don't know what to expect in terms of a, a gameplay quality. What if this thing comes out and it's like the Phantom Menace games that we used to get back in like the early 2000s when Star Wars games were, were a dime a dozen? Um, or do you think that there's a chance that we actually might be able to get pretty excited about this coming from Square Enix? Game Informer did a wonderful interview with, oh, I forget the gentleman's name uh, as we record, and I apologize for that, but uh, he essentially heads up Marvel games. He's been with Marvel for two decades, and he uh, is part of this new, renewed effort by Marvel to to bring their brands into the gamer world and do it right. And a lot of what he said was, we want it to be the right fit. Not necessarily us seeking out studios for a particular character, uh, or them coming to us with a particular character, but saying, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to bring? How would you go about it? Because I certainly would have cho- would not have chosen Insomniac to make Spider-Man. I would have chosen Sucker Punch. Yeah. They'd made the infamous titles, and yet that worked out quite well. So, mm-hmm. so I do not uh, have any initial fears at the moment. I don't know enough to be scared. Um, I know that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 looks mediocre, and I'm surely buying that day one yeah. and super excited to Are play you that. Really? Don't care what <laughs> Absolutely. That looks yeah, like a mobile look at the moment. Oh, I know. But, yeah. But I'm so excited to use those characters. I'm not. I'm not. It's, it's like me saying, "Well, if Jedi Fallen Order had a terrible showing, would I buy it uh, day one?" Yes, I would. Yeah. I I try very hard on this show to not be biased, or when I do have a bias, share it and let everybody know ahead of time. This is one of them. Yeah. I, Avengers is going to be day one for me, pure curiosity, whether it's a review code or not, and I'm going to uh, eat it up to to try and enjoy whatever I can of it because I enjoy that world. But um, speculating onto its quality two weeks out i don't think we can do just yet we just don't have enough information that that is fair the the one thing that it instantly did for me was um validate the time slot that they took i think everybody was wondering oh look at the balls on square enix walking into sony playstation's old time slot and at e3 they must have something big and i would say that this completely justifies that mm-hmm. i agree i absolutely agree it does justify it um my only hope is that it's it's not filled up. What I don't want in any E3, and this is this is quite related to Microsoft, um, but I don't want fluff. I don't need to see a supercar come down from the ceiling or 
uh, fluff that is related to a mobile game that is irrelevant. Like if you're going to talk about Gears Pop or your next Marvel mobile game or or Final Fantasy mobile, whatever your your brand is, that's fine and dandy. But but know your audience and transition from Gears Pop into Gears Five. Yeah. Transition from uh, your mobile title Diablo into your Diablo Four. Like you know, like we've seen it done right and done wrong. Yeah. That's so for sure. I. As long as as long as the announcement's handled appropriately and uh, the messaging is clear, I think we'll be fine on on all all accounts throughout E3. But that's the key; it's got to be right. What was the Marvel version of DC Universe Online? What was the old game that they shut down from Gigantic? What if it's that? I know, what <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I'm I'm ashamed to say that uh, I missed out on that because I love DC Universe. Uh, and it's a bummer that I missed out on that. But again, messaging is everything. What DC mean, Universe is still it? kicking. No, I missed out the Marvel version of it. Oh, the Mar- I'm sorry. I, I loved yeah. DC Universe. Sorry, I'm driving. I played that like crazy. I gotcha. No, you're great, man. I got gotcha. you. You're great. But I would like to transition us away from this topic okay, if you don't mind. Gears. Before we arrive at our pit stop topics, uh, I know you're still playing near Automata. Anything grand strike you from those gameplay sessions? Uh, not nothing, nothing uh, revelatory. Other than I'm I'm nearing the end. Everybody tells me that uh, you have to play through multiple playthroughs and actually to to truly finish the game. Luke, I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. I feel like I might reach some satisfaction by getting an ending and might move on from there. I just got a notification from my library that Indeed Rage 2 has arrived, so I'll be picking that up probably tomorrow. And um, mm-hmm. I can't wait to be you know a month late on that one, but that's where I'm at with games right now. I uh, I finished up Rage 2. I, I, I finished it, and I can definitively say it's a fantastic video game yep. that you should play and not listen to. You know, put on your podcast or your show and, and just enjoy that world. Play, shoot things. It is a shoot fest. That's what yeah. you should be doing is shooting things and enjoying the weapons and the feel of the weapons. The driving is hit or miss. Uh, I've seen from some people. I know our good friend, Mr. Babbitt, not a fan at all yeah. of the driving. Um, but I certainly have put in, you know, plenty of hours into just going in, clearing out outposts, shooting bad guys, discovering new weapons, uh, explore. That game's beautiful. It's fun. But um, it's not a narrative it's not a narrative uh, powerhouse there, but I think it's a great game, again, to launch pre-E3. I mean, I I, I wanted a, uh, a, something to just mindlessly go shoot, and it gave it to me uh, in spades. So enjoy the enjoy the gunplay, for sure, is my recommendation. I am looking forward to it. I am getting a little nervous that my window is closing very, very quickly. I think we're going to be, there's going to be an onslaught of games. Uh, speaking of that, I don't even think that these are on the notes. There's... Um uh, the Outer Wilds hits ID at Xbox game in date a day and date, and also mm-hmm. the Void Bastards. Void Bastards, yep. I'm like, is that yep. that name is so almost uh, vulgar that I can't even say it? But the Void it, Bastards, yeah, it's, it is a little off putting, and I'm curious yeah. to see. I know our our friend Chris Johnson, who will will come up in this show uh, momentarily. He's his initial tweet was that he was liking it. It was an initial impressions thing, um, and there's a lot of hype around Void Bastards. But I I yeah I too am. am befuddled by the title it seems odd like like i'm not offended necessarily but i know that some people like not everybody shares my like it takes a lot to offend me like truly to mm-hmm. my core but it, i sure. do feel weird sort of just like blatting out this blabbing out this name knowing that it might it might hit somebody else's ears as a little uh mm, little a uh, little bit of that agreed and yeah. I've noticed very much in the last probably seven, eight years of my life, and, and, may, and I'm 33, so that could be the age thing, or it could just be the way that mm-hmm. we're able to communicate oh, sorry, frustration. Uh, hi there, can I please get two large Diet Cokes, please? That is all. Thank you. 
Luke, I'm sorry, sorry for interrupting. I was uh, just passing by a local McDonald's, and did you know that they have um, any size soft drink for just a dollar? I'm sorry, Sean. I was cooking a fish. I'm cooking a trophy <laughs> ruby splash tail right now. I'm waiting for it to get golden brown. You got to wait till the white. The eyes are white right. before you can sell it. Of course. Um, you where were you? Where were you at? You were talking about void bath. I'm void bath. Something about out. being offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tuned it out. Well, what, I can't wait to play that? that game. Lots of games to play. Outer Wilds, Void Bastards, um, and then you're moving on somewhere else too. Well, I did want to say, and this is good for our audience to hear, is that I very much appreciate when we are able to discuss what we are and are not allowed to say because yeah. I'm not quite sure as I age up what's appropriate, what's not. Because the conversations, some people are now, now as I've gotten older, explaining to me, hey, this might be offensive, this not. And so I appreciate our audience and you and I when we go on a journey through games and through just things, ways that we approach review codes, ways that we approach uh, discussions about stuff like that because – if it is offensive and vulgar, I don't know. It certainly was a choice they made that they stuck with, and Xbox does not seem daunted by. Um, so that's good. That's good. It's kind of a callback call to, the, to the good old days of uh, raunchy 90s video games, and John Romero is going to make you his bitch and stuff like that. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that ad from Daytona. I do, I do. Yeah, oh, hold times. on, John. I ran my boat into the Oh, that's okay. Good timing. I, I just got to pay for this. No problem. Yeah. Hi there. Yeah. It's the two Diet Cokes, please. This is a war of attrition, and I uh, will not I'll lose. <laughs> I will not lose. I, um, I mentioned the word Thank daunted, you. You too. and that was my segue into playing uh, the idea that I played Dauntless, Sean. Oh, I got through like the first mission that you have to do all by yourself. So I'm I'm with you, man. But I don't think I've I've got as much experience maybe playing with friends as you might. Well, no, no. I think you and I did the exact same thing. Oh, I sweet. I went in. I set up my uh, Epic ID account with it because that's what allows you to cross play between systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game does seem Thank very you. much like Monster Hunter Light. It's yes. it's got plenty of systems to learn, but it's not nearly as imposing as I think uh, some of them are. That's the best way uh, to put it, it. That it's not as imposing. Like you, when you say Monster Hunter Light, that almost sounds like it could be a slight on the game, but it is not. That's a selling point for I think a lot of people, myself included. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and I, I, I liked it in, in the first few missions I ran. Uh, there are some microtransaction stuff that is available should you want it. Uh, but I, I found the free-to-play experience early on to be healthy and, and rich enough that I was happy about it. I will tell you that I'm looking forward to watching this game evolve, and I look forward to playing it more. Uh, I just timing as far as the house move kind of held me back just a bit, but this is a good game. I think to, to really get the ball rolling on uh cross play, which I think will be a comfortable and common conversation that we hear at E3 this year. Big, I really hope so. I think that's a role that Microsoft is taking on uh, very seriously and they can definitely lead that conversation in a big, big way at E3. The thing I'd say about Dauntless is that it's so, it seems like it uh, it scales nicely. If you want a casual game, you get that. If you want to get really intense with it, you can do that as well. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing how it grow. Uh, it grows. I don't know about you, Luke, but it was a little it was a little choppy for me. I noticed that it didn't perform as smoothly. It's not it's not 60 frames per second kind of kind of experience at this point. Absolutely, I think, and and that is the exact reason. I'm glad you brought it up because it was escaping me. That's why I chose to not continue. Yeah, I'm like this is week one of a multi console yes. launch, uh, and they they had even publicly addressed that you know server queues and wait times were still being worked out. They're yep. revving up. They're ramping up. The new demand would be would be high, but you can never know in these types of live services and. 
I was like, no problem. I'll wait a week totally. or I'll wait two or I'll wait a month because this game looks like it's going to have a long life. And I, if it's choppy right now because of that kind of stuff, that's easily fixed. I say easily with relative sense. Yeah. Um, but comparatively so. Um, and I greatly look forward to more of it. But I've got other stuff to play in the meantime. Uh, but, but yeah, look how, that was look how it. we're encouraging for more free to play stuff, even because I agree with absolutely everything you're saying. But the reaction is so different for a free to play launch. Uh, I mean, they're they're being ambitious with the cross play and cross uh, progression, everything like that. But you compare mm-hmm. that to Anthem's launch, and it's like people are up in arms. Whereas this, people are a little bit more understanding. You just take that that cost out of the equation and it's a completely mm-hmm. different conversation. So, I mean, I still, I don't know, man, I, I'm of two minds of it. I, I still think there's a place for the $60 like triple a experience that Anthem promises. And I think that the experience you get is, is, uh, is very different. It's materially different with Dauntless and I want both, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think like destiny is a good example of that where you can have mm-hmm. a $60 experience and it's an, I think that's an excellent game and I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, but Dauntless has, um, it presents something a little bit different to gamers and I, I don't think that one should trump the other forever. I hope that, that there's a space for both types of experiences to exist and we know when to be too hard or when to be hard on a game and when not to be hard on a game is really what I'm trying to get at here. Maybe we're too hard on Anthem. Indeed. I, I would agree with, with all of your points there, um, which I know makes for a boring podcast, but Apex Legends la- launched for free. Uh, yeah. It had a good launch, but people were, were accommodating of the fact that the Battle Pass was a little bit weaker. You know, They didn't invest a ton of money into it, uh, and, and it, because of that, even with a dwindling player base, there's plenty of matches. Anthem launched to, to frustrations, and after 100 hours, I got bored. But I yeah. got bored after 100 hours. Did I get my 60 bucks worth? Yes. Yeah. Did others? Now, if you were to go buy that game? No, you probably wouldn't. Um, you, that game solo is a, is a blast, but then you also look at games like Sea of Thieves. Well, that launched content light. People were paying for it, and, and Game Pass, I don't think, was... I don't think Sea of Thieves sold Game Pass to a lot of people at during mm-hmm. its launch. You know, um, that changes the that value conversation. But you are right, free to play versus sixty dollar premium buy in uh, is a conversation that is consistently coming up. Whether it's Call of Duty, whether it's a, a live MMO style game, uh, that changes the audience reaction. Because my in my mind, I was like, man, everyone's giving Dauntless a good break here. No one's really going in on yeah. them uh, that hard. And then I'm like, oh yeah, they didn't pay anything for it. Exactly. The thing that that balances the equation out nicely that maybe we shouldn't be so worried about is that uh, for every Dauntless, there's a trillion other games that are free to play that launch and flop instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they get nothing. They get no. <laughs> they put all that money and investment and energy and time into developing the game, and they launch and nobody knows that they're there. So that will always make companies, I think, pretty critical in their thinking about whether or not to launch a sixty dollars game or a free to play game. Mm-hmm. And I think it also points the eyes towards. Uh, subscription-based services like EA Access, PlayStation Now, uh, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, rumors of it, Ubisoft starting. No, I was own. just going to bring it up. Yeah, man, that I was. I, I predicted that. I, I don't know if it was last year's or the year before E3. I predicted uh, Ubisoft do that. So it totally makes sense. I think it, it. It does make sense, but it surprises me because Ubisoft is one of the companies. They are so supportive of the launch of new systems. Every every new system on any console or with any console brand uh, has Ubisoft titles, but also they're very supportive of games with gold uh, and Game Pass. They put their titles on those for free quite often, um, and so, so if they had a subscription value. Base, yeah, 
Yeah, that that's that's my question there. I mean, is it the next Just Dance game? Is it a new Rayman? Like, what is going in your catalog that is not appearing in the other catalogs? Do you pull your titles from other places? That's that's a conversation that I I don't think we have time for today. But I do want to have that. Is Ubisoft making a good choice if they pursue that route or not? Uh, in the wake of maybe Activision missing its chance to do something like that now right. that they've lost uh, other franchises, so that's a conversation that's worth having unto itself as well. Definitely write it uh, down. I will. Can Not I tell you, like you, somebody, I don't even know who. I'm just saying somebody just write that down. Sean, let me just tell you, there was never a moment in the last 10 seconds that I was going to stop fishing to write that yeah, down. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. It's a war of attrition. Um, uh, can I tell you a cool sea of things? I need gas. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Oh, no. All right, so I have to tell you, really I'm on do. a voyage. Uh, <laughs> me, and, uh, me and Mr. Badbit, we've been playing the Thieves of Seas. Oh, God, I should you know, get gas right now. Who cares? It's been a good time. Oh, no. This is great. So uh, we are being Sherpa'd and guided uh, by two uh, Sea of Thieves pros, and, and Mike and, and Chris Johnson. They are uh, they're, they're taking us out on the biggest boat you can sail, right? In this, we had the most Sea of Thieves experience. We go out there. We don't know what we're doing, but Joe and I are giggling like crazy. We fought this, <laughs> like, this, this uh, armada of ghost ships that were popping up, flying up out of the ocean to fight us. We were using cursed and regular cannonballs to shoot them. They were on all sides. We were uh, bailing and repairing and all this amazing coordination. None of us had to steer, so that was amazing. Uh, and then it, after we finished the armada, uh, we started sinking. And so one of us respawned uh, with a new boat and was coming out to save those who were floating and swimming, juggling the treasure that we'd gotten from these ghost ships. We get back in there when we're being pursued by another ship. But then the Meg shows up and we fight off the Meg and that other ship goes away. Then a new ship shows up and they're far out there. They've got their alliance flag up. We forge an alliance and while we're being attacked by the Kraken, it was in freaking credible and and uh we start to to we get away from the kraken sean and then this new ship breaks their alliance and they're trying to steal our treasure and they they sink us and they steal all of our stuff we respawn we go back after them again oh my goodness it was incredible joe and i were giggling uh laughing the whole time the whole way we we left with no treasure whatsoever we we destroyed uh our sherpa guides faith in humanity because we were terrible crewmates but having a blast we were just having so much fun in this game luke can i can i tell you something i i'm gonna be honest here i don't know why i've got this like i i want to say something really sarcastic about this entire experience but really all i should be saying and that it's true in my heart is I'm really glad you're having fun with it, man. That sounds awesome. That sounds. It's, it's, I want to like almost react on behalf of people who don't care about Sea of Thieves and be like, whatever. That what are you, you like that stupid game? That sounds amazing. And the fact that you got Mister Badbit, Mister Trophy Room himself, giggling all over Sea of Thieves, that is awesome. That's a huge win. Your reaction is the exact thing that I expected. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> and I know that like you know we all have our own likes and dislikes in gaming and, and it's cool to make fun of some things not others yeah but i think it's totally normal for a lot of people to, to just be like oh sea of thieves yeah but it's one of those games that like so many others like fighting games and the language that they that the, that the fighting game community speaks mm-hmm. uh and those who are super into near automata all their endings when you get enthusiastic about something it can be infectious can be and infectious. those who want to dismiss it no problem there's a right way to do that 
You know, do you, you know what you, to... you know what it is? It's a Nintendo experience. What you just described and the way that the community is rallying around and the way people are like, where you go to somebody else who's like a hardcore gamer or whatever that means, um, mm-hmm. they don't they don't get it and they think less than like that's a Nintendo gamers experience, man. Where you're just like, that's I like Captain point. Toad. Like, I know you guys are all killing each other in Call of Duty and whatever, and your your MMOs and hardcore things over there. I like Captain Toad, and I like Splatoon. Like, that's that's a Nintendo-ass experience, and that's why Rare was purchased. That's what, that finally, I would say that now is the moment where I'm realizing that maybe Microsoft finally has achieved what they set out to when purchasing Rare uh, in that auction sort of scenario that they found themselves in a number of years ago. What a fantastic analogy, Sean, because you are absolutely right. One of, my, one of my favorite things to do is to tease Justin Masson, um, who I'm, not, I'm still not sure if we like each other. Yeah, um, I hope you do. I love teasing him. Me too, buddy. He looks, seems like such a nice guy. He is um, nice. I constantly <laughs> tease him about liking Donkey Kong because Donkey Kong's a dumb character. <laughs> all of our characters are dumb, though, right? Like all of them. Yeah. Master Chief, I don't show my face. I don't talk much, but I've got the most famous voice. Like all of our characters are dumb. Yeah. Right? You know, and and I tease him about um, about uh, Donkey Kong or whatnot. But like, so what? Yeah. So what? He likes it. He has fun with it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so it's funny to me. But you're right. That was a very Nintendo esque story. And it's awesome to have that on our system now. And it didn't require a kill death ratio. Or, right. Yeah. You're uh, not looking. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Like, it's always like a metric or something of like, but why? Like the and my my biggest problem with that game was the economy and the progression system, but it's like no, but it doesn't matter, and like that's a Nintendo thing. Like, who cares if your friend list doesn't do anything? Who cares if you can't play Mario Maker two with your friends and you can only play with random people? Like, it doesn't matter. Just focus on the game. Those things mm-hmm. aren't they, those don't matter. So play Sea of Thieves with your friends and just and kill some ghost ships and some giant sharks and a squiggly little octopus that comes up out of the sea. Like it's that's true. It's good stuff, man. I'm happy it for it. That's awesome. I also, uh, I, I know I'm talking about a lot about what I've been playing, but I wanted to just kind of update you guys on my time with Team Sonic Racing. <laughs> you son um, of a bitch. <laughs> what? What? I'm, All right. I thought it was, I was good. All Team right. Sonic Racing, it's it's a it's a good kart racer. Um, it's starting to get some quirks, more time in, but it's a good kart racer. I I don't know that I would recommend it over Transformed because I know I was initially very high on it, but it starts to wear out its welcome in some places. But I just don't have enough um, to say on it. I, I just wanted people to know that I hadn't forgotten. Man, I, I, it makes me want to go back to Transform now. It's a, I believe that's a Game Pass game, or perhaps it was Games with Gold at some point. Many of us have it for free, I believe. Yes. We have yeah, access. I don't remember which of, which of the, the modes we have. By the way, I, speaking of free games, um, as of recording, it is 525 my time on May 29th. We have no June Games with Gold at this stage. You make a very good point. I had not thought of that. Well, there's an inside Xbox, what? The the day after? June 10th, there's an inside Xbox. That's too late. It's too late. Yeah, I'm thinking it's too late for Games with Gold. To announce the June Games with Gold. (laughs) Yeah, not for... Because sometimes they'll pop them on the the second or third day. PlayStation's been known to do that as well. Um, But but yeah, I would imagine we get new Game Pass announcements on the June 10th or or like after. uh, Indie titles after the E3 conference. Um, but you're right. For games with gold, we don't know. That's interesting. PlayStation and- had good stuff this month, man. They had uh, Borderlands: The Handsome Collection and Sonic Mania are the two games you get with their sixty dollars subscription. So oh, I can't wait wonderful- to see what four games you get with our subscription. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah. a wonderful set. And Bo- Handsome Collection's technically two games, so they got three. Ooh, good point. That's actually yep. a really good point. That takes All a little right. salt out of my argument there. Sega Genesis Master's Collection. Let's hear it. Let's see it. I know, right? I was just trying to think of something that had everything. Um, 
So yeah, that's all we've got uh, for those topics. I did ask a really cool question on Twitter that I I often like to bring up. Um, that kind of tangentially ties into what we've been discussing earlier with games that we like that maybe not everyone does. Um, and a lot of times those games will fall into like the sixes and sevens. Mm-hmm. And so I just threw out there, I was like, hey, what are your favorite sixes and sevens? You had some of my favorite games as your answer. Yes. Share, your, share these because I love these games. I love it. Okay, great. These are uh, Metacritic, I believe, somewhere around 70 for both these games. Um, both um, licensed, both based on movies. The uh, The first one is Quantum of Solace, the James Bond game for 360, uh, which I think is awesome. I think that's a great for a, for a quick romp through and uh, just, just some fun gun action. And then the Bourne Conspiracy uh, some some sweet melee combat in that game, man. I I have I just those were both games that I did like one of those like play through in a weekend kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. I mean that speaks to my 360 experience overall. Um, but I remember picking those games up for like 20 bucks and playing them over on a weekend, and I just I really liked it. I never expected too much out of those games. It's exactly what you talk about when you when we say you should enjoy sixes and sevens because you can just play them. Maybe they're 20 hours. They don't take up a huge amount of your time and they're fun. And mm-hmm. like, who cares if there's nothing really <laughs> all that unique about them? Um, yeah. Those games were great. I had a lot of fun with those games. They were great. Um, the Quantum of Solace game, that ran on the Call of Duty engine. It looked and felt like Call of Duty. Sure just did. had a James Bond uh, aesthetic, and I had a good old blast with that game. Mm-hmm. And Born Conspiracy, man, I love that too. I love spy movies and books, so like those games were were great, and they were great good rentals for, for me at the time. Too. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Oh, dude, take me down memory lane. But yeah, um, I listed Binary Domain, uh, Dead Island, and the Crackdown series like games as some of mine. Of mm. course, I could go on, but uh, I thought I would domain. yield the. That was a great game. It was a good shooter. Actually, um, I don't know what but it is. I would, it just sounds really nerdy. It's not. It's just a shooter. Um, like Dime a Dozen uh, 360 titles were, were shooters, you for know. Sure. But yeah. but I want to yield the floor to other people because I've certainly talked a lot about games for me today. Uh, Grouchy Surge says that Two Human Metacritic score of uh, 65, but he uh, thousand he one K'd it uh, and has over 100 hours in Two Human. That's awesome. Eric Green mentioned Splatterhouse is an underrated game that has a wonderful soundtrack and is ultra gory, which I thought was super cool. Splatterhouse is a game that I rented and then didn't have time to pick up and never went back to. I never uh, heard of that one. So it's a it's a remake, a 360 remake of not a remake, not a remaster. It's like oh well, maybe it's a remake. Either way, it was a Nintendo game way back when, an NES game, uh, side-scroller. Um, maybe not NES, SNES, but it was just, it, bottom line, it was a hack-and-slash uh, 360 go- horror gore title. Uh, Donnie Reese mentions Life is Strange due to the storytelling and the characters. Is that uh, a six or mentioned- seven? I feel like that was like up for game of the year. I think that Life is Strange, like many uh, episodic titles, it kind of enters and, and, and exits those Game of the Year conversations depending on who you ask and when. Um, but I, would never, I just wanted to call that. I think some people might react to that and go like, I thought that was that was good. But I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. I, yeah. You got me. I've, maybe I've never actually played Life is Strange. I think it's good. He also mentions Power Star Golf, Mario Golf, and Golf Story um, because he likes soccer. That's weird. Um, nah, he just he likes golf <laughs> he games. Likes he golf. also thought Infinite Warfare was a great six or seven. Oh, I'm with him on that. 
Adam Leonard wrote an appropriately self-depreciating title, saying that he's a six in his wife's eyes. Yep. Um, Steven Taylor said that he is also a six. No, but in real talk, Steven Taylor mentioned the the Devil May Cry series. He thinks the DMC series games uh, probably appropriately sixes and sevens. Um, but I would imagine the people that love them have a blast with them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Blaze Knight mentions a game called Perception, which I've never heard of. Uh, I've played this game. I play Perception. Oh, you... I, I don't love this game, but I like that. Uh, I'm glad Blaze Knight brought some attention to it. It's um, not very well known. Um, you play. There's a couple of games that were coming out where you play as like a blind person, and you, mm-hmm. you kind of smack your stick against the ground in the echolocation, sort of like, um, what's his name? Dare, Daredevil. Daredevil. Daredevil, yes. Uh, the best series on Netflix, yes. It's, it's Blind Little Girl Daredevil, uh, the video game. Uh, I did not love it, though, but I thought it got a little repetitive and um, maybe could have had a little bit more fleshing up. But good idea. But mm-hmm. anyways, I didn't uh, Our last write-in was doc, uh, Dr. Avi Kintober. I'm so sorry for butchering your name. I, I mean, I don't actually feel bad. I don't think that's his real name. I don't um, think his mother should be offended. He or she mentioned Fuse, which is that Insomniac title, I believe. I wanted to play Fuse so badly and missed it back in the day when it came out. Interesting. And Interesting. Is, does he say honorary mention for binary domain as well? Indeed he does. What? Indeed he does. Bin- or, or See, or I, she- I, this is how I catch you. Every week, and, th- and he does this, guys. If you go back and listen, he starts out driving all dandy, and then he parks. I did. And he par- does I the just rest parked. The show. I just parked. I just need to. I I felt like I, I thought you were going to turn one of these over to me, to, to, but I'm I'm here. I'm reading along. I'm I'm good. Well, now that you're parked, I can turn it over to you. No, one I'm going to go get we- gas. I'm going to go get nope, gas. You better not. Call of Duty. I need a like. Tell a- us the story <laughs> about Call of Duty and how we should all be worried about its name. Oh, man. No, we should not be worried about his name. If we get a true, and by the time people are hearing this, it's likely that the news is going to be released. The Twitter account went dark right now, uh, which which uh, and says that there's going to be a, an announcement coming on May 30th. Uh, all rumors point to that this is going to be a modern warfare game. There's no <laughs> 4 or 4 fair or anything like that. It, what number were, 4, to be clear. Four, number 4. Um, well, it's funny because... Uh, the original Modern Warfare was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. This is mm-hmm. the fourth Modern Warfare game, if you recall, the last Modern Warfare was Modern indeed, Warfare 3. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of 4s <laughs> happening, so maybe just like 8 or, I don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot of number, number games that can be happening here. I think it's completely fine to just give a refresh. The numbers are getting a little out of hand. Anyways, we don't need a, a Final Fantasy 15 type of scenario anymore. Um, I can't wait to see what they have to show us. I think they're going to make everybody... Uh, this is just a cycle. This is the Call of Duty cycle where a new game is announced, everybody hates it, they find a reason to, to dogpile on it, and then they play it and realize it's actually pretty good. And remember that Call of Duty had uh, sets the bar for first-person shooters. So I remain optimistic, and I can't wait to see what they have to show us, and I can't wait to play the next Call of Duty game. But maybe that's just me, Luke. What do you think? Well, I think for the, the 12-year-olds clenching their fists and, and hitting up those message board warriors... Uh, I would remind you that God of War and Mortal Kombat and Tomb Raider all did this, and somehow those franchises persist. Yeah, they all did pretty well. Yeah, I'm Gosh. with you, man. It's almost like, um, what, what, yeah, I guess a reboot is is kind of what we're thinking this might be. And that, Soft that's a, that's reboots? A, yeah, it works. Soft, who knows? And frankly, don't care. Yeah. Want a good game. I know, why? Like, nobody cared that, that God of War called back to its old lineage but started anew because the game was good. Make the game good. If nothing else, Tomb Raider, <laughs> Tomb Raider, we could make fun of. Afterwards, got the naming conventions all wrong. Like it was all yeah. backwards. 
Yeah, rise and then shadow, and I'm very confused. Like, which one? Do we rise? Are we yeah. not? Should we shadow? Rise I, was the first. Like, you think Tomb Raider would be the end? Was he really the last Jedi? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Capri, time is of the essence, my good friend, and so I think we should make our exit. But uh, I think we're going to save our Project X Cloud stuff mostly for next week. Did you want to drop any quick nuggets of, of like relevant news? Maybe not impressions, but news about this X Cloud information. The one, my big takeaway, really quickly is um, I think they dropped a couple of shots towards um, the Google Stadia camp in that. The games that are being developed for Xbox will be playable on xCloud, and I think this is maybe something that we maybe assumed we were fairly certain of, but now it is crystal clear. The games that are built for Xbox play on xCloud. There's no porting required, uh, which is not the case for the Stadia system. It's like it's like a whole wholly different system over there. Mm-hmm. So making things making life a little easier for developers and um, opening the door for a giant catalog of games right out of the gate for Project X Cloud versus uh, what will likely be the Ubisoft show, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just Ubisoft happening over at Google Stadia at this point. It and was uh, it was a cool little kind of snippet because they dropped in that 1900 games are currently in development for xbox one yeah and and and, in truth that's as inflated as that might be it doesn't actually surprise me because so many games don't come out but also it's so easy to create games now um and there to how many games a week do we get in our id at xbox list not to mention the triple a and the double a titles that hit game pass and such so i mean like yeah it does not surprise me in the slightest um to see that but what I did like about it was much like backward compatibility. It's taking the responsibility of a developer way. Like, hey, you don't need to do anything for xCloud. Yeah. We'll do that for you. That once again reminds us that they are worried about their uh, – about their – what is the right word? Their abilities as a first party to accommodate others. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is is telling of the direction they are trying to go, whatever that may be. Well, they're leveraging their expertise in, in a number of different areas to change the face of gaming. I think that's what Google is trying to do. And a notable mm-hmm. thing, and I guess we'll just wrap with this too. Um, there's an interesting like API that's, that's um, in, involved with – Project xCloud, which uh, allows the game to... You just develop the one game, but this API sort of translates things like font size and image size and things like that and menus. Um, it lets the game know that it's being played on the cloud. It's, it's being streamed. But the developers don't have to create anything different. It's uh, It does this work and translate the, translates the experience to perhaps a mobile or phone or a tablet or something like that um, without the developers having to do anything different. I think that is so next level thinking. I never would have thought of that. But they're like, not only are we going to adjust this game for the various screens it can be played on, but the devs don't have to do anything different. I, mm-hmm. It gets me like that's the kind of nerdy stuff that gets me excited that they're they're taking this very seriously and they're thinking about the not only the devs but then the gamers like how are we experiencing this thing on our various screens? Uh, it, we're not going to have the old remember the 360 where we had like the the tiny font because we didn't know <laughs> that we we're either playing on a SD screen or the brand new uh, HD 1080p screens that that was a, that was a weird time and I think that's a lesson learned that's being carried forward in the Project X Cloud days, my friend. I agree. I fully agree. Uh, ladies and gents, we are we are less than two weeks at the time of this recording away from E3 2019. I'm sure there will be plenty more news uh, snippets to talk about over the course of the next week. And you can uh, mention or chat with me about those over on the Twitterverse. But uh, in lieu of plugging anything, 
uh, for me this week, I would only ask that you please uh, jump on the old whatever podcast service you use, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or uh, Podbean Podcast. If you would please uh, <laughs> offer us a review in some way, shape, or form, we're doing uh, a lot of work on our back end trying to grow our product and share it with people and uh, make it something that people find worthwhile. And we would greatly appreciate it if you guys would uh, share it and then offer reviews because those things matter far more than I think I initially realized in the in the early goings of this uh, podcast adventure. I'll say this. I will. I will double down on this as well. I will. I will also not tell you guys where to follow me on Twitter and Twitch and things like that. And instead, instead say, we have, I believe, twenty six iTunes reviews. My goal is a hundred. I want to get there as fast as possible because you know, like the Nintendo dads, I think have a hundred reviews. The OK Beast guys have a hundred reviews. Um, the Mega dads probably have like at least seven, which is far too many for those guys. So if you guys could get us to a hundred reviews, that is better than. That is better than uh, liking and sharing, although we appreciate that stuff. I really, I want to get there. 100 iTunes reviews, got to get there. Guys, let's do it. Thank you so much, faithful listeners. We hope to do you proud at E3. Uh, John? Luke. Let's, uh, let's do, 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 do. I got to get gas. Do, 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 do